class in memory of Jared Orchen. And today we're going to learn the Aftorah of the second Shabbat of Hanukkah. Now we'll explain what does this mean. First we'll tell you the page. I have to find the page to tell you the page. Page 1492. Sounds good, 1492. Okay. Whenever, you know, Hanukkah is eight days. When it's eight days, if Hanukkah starts on Shabbat, this year it's starting Saturday night. If Hanukkah would start Friday night, there would be two Shabbases and Hanukkah. When you, the Aftorah is usually as a connection to the last portion of the Torah that you read on Hanukkah. In addition to the regular Parsha, you will read from the second Torah on Shabbat about Hanukkah. Actually, in Hanukkah, we read the Torah every day. What is it about? It's about the dedication of the temple that took place in the desert. Then we read every day. And if it's too, sh then if it's, you take out two Torahs. The regular Torah, you read the regular Parsha. Then for the Maftir, you read from the second Torah about Hanukkah. The Torah is always has to do with the last Parsha. That if the Parsha is about Hanukkah, the Torah will not be about the regular Parsha of the week, Vayeshev. It will be about Hanukkah. What do you do if you have two Shabbos in Hanukkah? You need two Aftoras of Hanukkah. Then the regular, the Aftorah of the first week, of the first Aftorah of Hanukkah, whenever, most of the years we have only one Shabbos in Hanukkah, right? Mm -hmm. Then we read the Aftorah of Shabbat with Parshat Baalotcha. It's Aftorah that also we read it in the summer, and Baalotcha is in the book of Numbers. The same Aftorah we'll read for, for, uh, for, for Hanukkah. If it's two Shabbos, we're going to read this Aftorah. Now, the Aftorah that we read for the first Shabbos of Hanukkah is about Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, who was doing the second temple, right? And he's speaking about, he sees a vision. First of all, he, he tells them, uh, they clean up your clothing, because the clothing of the high priest was at that time were impure, whatever it means. Obviously, it was a spiritual state of the high priest. His kids were not going the right way. Therefore, it's considered impure. Then he sees a vision with a menorah, and the menorah, and there is oil, and he has to light the candles. And God tells him this menorah represents the Jewish people. That's why, by Jewish people, in every synagogue, everywhere, everywhere, our symbol is the menorah. It's all about the menorah. Beautiful. That's a third, the third of the regular Shabbat. If it happens to be two Shabbases, we have read the Torah from the Book of Kings that speaks about the building of the temple of Solomon, the first temple that was built. Now, when you look at it, you ask yourself, why did you choose this Torah? Then the question right away becomes, why Zechariah speaks about the second temple? The Torah, this Torah speaks about the first temple. Which temple was higher? What do you think? It's higher. First temple. Mm -hmm. Holier. Holier. First, first temple. First temple. How we know the first temple? Because it had all the things in it. The second temple was missing five things. But actually not five small things, the most important things. Mm -hmm. The second temple did not have an ark. The ark of the covenant 
was hidden during the end, of, a little bit before the destruction of the first temple, <coughs> in the tunnels underneath the temple. It was hidden there. By the second temple, there was no ark. There was no the stuff of Moses. The, and, and all the excesses, there is spiritual things also. For example, the, the Urim Vetumim, the, the breastplate, the, the breastplate, then you used to, the, you could, the high priest, you could communicate with God word, didn't work in the second temple. That the second temple was not as holy as the first temple. That the question is, wouldn't it be more appropriate to read the after of Hanukkah, number one for the first temple, the big temple that Solomon made, the huge one, then the second, then if you need another after, another spare tire, then we'll take out something for the second temple. Why is it that we read first on the second temple? And only once in a blue moon, when it happens to be that there we have a sh two Shabbos on Hanukkah, then we return from the first temple. What do you think? To make the temple feel better. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thought. <laughs> well, it's probably just... No? What? Tell me what? Probably what? I don't mind. It's not that? the right direction, I was thinking. What do you mean, not the right direction? To go to the, to, to the third temple. This is the second, the one we're studying today is the first temple. The first temple. The other one was about, what you say, say you say something. It was about the second temple and really was ultimately about the future of the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And first of all, we rather speak about the future. As we spoke last week, that the prophets are all about the future. More than that, when, when Hanukkah happened? The Maccabees were much closer to the, the second temple. They were temple. doing the second yeah. temple. Yeah. That's why it makes sense to read a, pro a prophecy right. about right. the second right. temple. Right. Not, not about the first. Exactly, exactly. It's one answer. Now, the first temple that we're going to read about, you know what, let's read a, read a little bit. And first of all, then that's why we started the second temple. Well, there is many, much more to it. But let's read a little bit. We will read this time on page 1493, <coughs> the introduction to the Aftorah in the note. Aftorah of Hanukkah, second Shabbat, in the bottom. The, uh, mm -hmm. This Haftorah summarizes the copper work completed by Hiram, the master craftsman of Shulmo's temple, including small utensils, columns, and their fixtures in the vat. The concluding section describes the golden vessels which were made by Shlomo himself. The altar, table, supplementary menorahs, hence the connection to Hanukkah, musical instruments, small utensils, and the keys to the inner house. Then just keep it in mind, Hiram and Solomon made the, made the utensils in the temple. Mm -hmm. Okay, continue. Why was a Haftorah, which describes the first temple, chosen for the second Shabbos of Hanukkah, and a Haftorah describing the second temple chosen for the first Shabbos. Sefer HaEshkol writes that the vision of Zechariah's second temple read on the first Shabbos has a stronger connection to Hanukkah, since the story of Hanukkah revolves around the second temple. You see, you answered the, answer the question. Therefore, it is read first. Mm -hmm. A further explanation is based on the principle that, quote, we increase in matters of holiness and do not decrease, unquote, from which it follows that the second Shabbos of Hanukkah must be on a higher level than the first. Therefore, on this second Shabbos, 
we read a Haftorah about the first temple, which enjoyed a superior, superior spiritual standing, being that the second temple lacked five key elements, the ark, its lid, the cherubs, fire, divine presence, and divine inspiration. Then we're going from the second. In Judaism, we always increase. We're going further. We start low, and we go higher. We were going to the first temple was an higher level than the second temple. That we have a second Shabbos in Hanukkah, we go even more. The first temple, who built the first temple? Solomon. Mm -hmm. But why it's called the temple of David and Solomon? David and Solomon? David and Solomon. It's not just Solomon. David had the, the resources he oh, left to David, Solomon David, to build. David conquered Jerusalem. David conquered Jerusalem. David bought the land. The David left the sources for the Jebusite. And David left his resources. But you know, I have something interesting to tell you. They, Solomon did not use the money that David gave him mm -hmm. to build the temple. He left it at treasures, it was treasures, and the treasures were there forever and ever <laughs> until when? Until the Babylonian took it. <clears throat> Why Solomon did not use the well, money that David left? Because David went to war? So. He taxed the people. So Solomon did it. Solomon did it. Solomon taxed the people who it was the biggest liberal. <laughs> <laughs> he takes the Jews that it was not tomorrow. He takes the people, he forced the people to walk, he forced them. And that's by the way, that's a by the way, that's a it's called in Hebrew Abakshish, you know, it's a in Arabic, it's like a you get an extra. <laughs> then we see a very strange thing about Solomon's temple. What, if, what happened after Sal when Solomon passed away? What happened to the next generation? Kingdom split. The kingdom split. Yeah. His, son, his son promised, his son pledged to tax the people even more. Oh, was a delegation. Here is a perfect, that's very relevant to our days in life. <laughs> a delegation came to Solomon's son, Rehavam, Rehavam was his name, and they told him, your father taxes to death. We can't take it anymore. Reduce, reduce the taxes. You know, Solomon is Solomon, but you, he had to build a temple, he had to build a house for the Pharaoh's daughter that he married, and the many other women, it was complicated. But you, we can't take it. That's, that he says, give me three days, I will go, I'll give, you a, I'll, go, I'll give you an answer. He went to ask his father's advisors, the older generation. They told him, they are right. Don't text them. They took it from your father, do not take it from you. Eved Tielamaze. Be a servant to the people. They know the expression of public servant comes from, from the Bible. Or they told Solomon's son, Chichavam, be a servant to the people. Don't not a king. Carry them on your shoulders. Fill them. Fine. That's what the older guy said. The transition team said something different. <laughs> he told them the young, the young friends of Rehavam about his age and a little and experience as much as he had. Told them, give it to them. What are you? You teach them a lesson. Tell them your father punished you. Basically, after three days, he called them back. They came back. 
he got out and he says, my father punished you with snakes, I will do it with scorpions. I'll, I'll show you who is the boss here. You know what? He said, have a nice day. Ten tribes. Ten tribes! Split it. Went to the north. Exactly. <laughs> but what, what did the Jared Kushner of his time say? That's what we want to know. <laughs> he was smarter than this. They say now to cut Texas, not to make more Texas. We'll see. In any case, you know what he did? The, the king of the ten tribes was Jeroboam, was his name. Jeroboam ben Nevot. He set up two idols, two golden calves. Can you believe it? Yeah. In two centers of Israel. One place was Bethel. Bethel is the place where Jacob had a dream. And he saw that was the only place in the Jewish people's mind. It was a good place. You know, you need to connect it to the, to the soul of the Jews. You have to connect the people emotionally. Says, we can have our own place. What do you need Jerusalem? He closed the doors to Jerusalem, the ways to Jerusalem. He didn't allow people to go to Jerusalem was the kingdom of Judah. You know, if you go to Jerusalem, you support the economy of Jerusalem. You might marry some girl from Jerusalem, might stay in Jerusalem, bad news. We're not going to Jerusalem, close the door. Didn't allow anybody to, to, to go there. <clears throat> but the question is, you cannot do such a thing if the, if, the, if the people don't support you. What do you mean? You close the taste of Jerusalem, the rest of Jerusalem? Can you imagine you're living in Israel? comes a guy says you cannot go to the holy temple would be a revolt why is the ten tribes didn't mind the majority of them at least didn't mind closer you show you go not go shine as nicht why they didn't care the answer to it is very simple when Moses built the temple in the desert the portable temple the sanctuary Mishkan, yeah. the Mishkan what he says in the Torah Everybody should bring what his heart's desire, what his heart wants to donate. People came, this person brought gold, the other person brought silver, the person brought some cookies, the other person brought... Everybody <laughs> bought what he can. Together they built the temple. It was everybody's temple. Everybody felt a part of the temple. Therefore it was the wall. And the temple stood in the middle of the camp, and all the Jews were living around the temple. It was the heart of the whole, the whole camp, the whole nation. Came Solomon. He doesn't need donations. He didn't say anybody wants to give donations. Texas. When you take the people, nobody feels an conne emotional connection to the temple. You feel that you rip them off. That's what you feel. That you take the money, even if you die, you don't want to give. A temple that you are forced to build. Then he, then he takes people, he mobilizes people to build. There was no emotional connection to the temple. Why would he do, why would he do that? He had the money. Why would he tax the people? He was a wise man. That's why when came Jerabah and closed the doors, nobody cared. They didn't have an emotional attachment to the temple. Then think about it. The temple was the temple of the old Jewish people only for four years. Even less. Took him seven years to build the temple. After first he built his homes, his own home for 13 years, and then he built the temple. Not even for, well, he was a king for four years. It was not even four years. 35 years, 30 years. It was the temple of the old Jewish people. Lay there, 10 tribes were off the temple. Two thirds of the Jewish people didn't use the temple. 
there comes the question that Mr. Quaid is asking, that he was asking before, why King David, Solomon did not use the money that David collected for him? It's not an endowment. <laughs> it's an endowment. <laughs> you see what happens to endowment? Eventually the, the Babylonians take it. <laughs> Foundation. Why didn't want to take it to use the money? The matter brings two explanations. One explanation is that King Solomon, he said the money, where was the money taken from? Wars. From wars. From other nations. It was a spoil. That he said, he knew, Solomon knew that one day the temple will be destroyed. That's why he built also the tunnels underneath the temple where they were hiding later the ark. He knew the temple is going to be destroyed. That he said, when the temple will be destroyed, the Gentiles, the nations of the world will say, oh, our God took revenge because he built it with our money, therefore the temple is destroyed. That's why he said, no favors. I don't want non-Jewish money there. Non-Jewish money. They come, then comes a very sad explanation. Very, very sad. During the time of King David, was a famine. You know that? Why was it a famine? Was a famine? Why was a famine during King David time? Uh, because uh, he had uh, taken a census. Oh, because he decided to <laughs> count the Jewish people. King David, it's written in the Bible, you're not allowed to, sense the, to count the Jews. He decided to count it. Job told them, please, King, let, him have Hashem, let Hashem bless your people even ten times more. No, King David got into his, into his head to count the Jewish people. He counted the Jewish people, and as a punishment, God made a famine of three years. Three years! During the famine, King David was sitting on big treasures that he prepared for the temple. Right? What should he do with the money? Shouldn't he buy food for the Jews then? Temple? People are dying in the street. But he didn't want to touch. That's for the temple. That was his life mission. God said, money that you could save Jews with cannot be for the temple. And could be, could be, some commentaries say, could be. You know, Kawhi God told David not to build a temple because? He had Ah, you know which blood? Not the blood of the walls. That was justified walls. Uriah. You, oh no! The Jewish people that he could save with the money of the temple. Some commentary said. That money that was not used, could use for the for people, and was not used for people, Solomon didn't want to build it at the temple. With this, with this kind of money, he didn't want to build the temple. And you see that the first temple started a little with the law with the wrong with the wrong foot to begin with. But the Rebbe as always looks on the positive side. I would never have such a commentary from the Rebbe to tell you that he put a million dollars on it. Never. The Rebbe only spoke positive about the Jewish people. You know, when I write my speeches, I go around, people tell me, maybe you can write start a little more positive things too. <laughs> Why are you criticizing uh, Jacob or this? No. 
I'm not the Rebbe. <laughs> <laughs> the Rebbe would never, every time, every situation, he would turn this around to find the positive story, side of the story. You can find positive in this to learn that when you save money, you have to remember what's, what's, what are the priorities in life. What's more important? You're not too hard, guys? No. Okay, good. In any case, the Rebbe says that the sec that first temple, the two of Torahs go because the second temple was lower. The first temple was higher. In this case, sometimes the Rebbe turns it around and says the second temple is better because the Jewish people build it more on it. But we're not going to. The, but the, sec the first temple is higher. But the problem with this of Torah, you know, the, second, the, sec the first of Torahs of the first Shabbos of Hanukkah speaks about the menorah, the lighting of the candles. You read this of Torah? It's not even about the menorah. We can read this of Torah. If I wouldn't give you a whole speech, we would be done in four and a half minutes. <laughs> the of Torah is about the building of the temple. The, the vessels, the this, the that. Not about one line and Solomon made ten menorahs. We'll get into it. Why he made ten menorahs, I don't know. But and the interesting part, this is chapter, cha this is a chapter, chapter uh, uh, seven, from verse 40 to verse 50. In verse 50, it speaks about the inauguration of the temple, the first temple. When we finish this, the, the, the text continues about the inauguration of the temple. And now Solomon prayed to God, you should bring the, the divine presence, the divine presence. Isn't Hanukkah about inauguration? Hanukkah is inauguration. Wouldn't it be appropriate to read? You already take from the first temple. Take something about the inauguration of the temple. Especially when you can read the second of Torah. It's the eighth day of Hanukkah. You know, you read every day. You read from the Torah for Hanukkah every day. You read on the first day, the offer, the second, the second day. Comes to the eighth day, you read from the eighth day all the way to that, all the way until the inauguration of the temple in the desert that you read in the Maftir of the inauguration in the, of the temple wouldn't be the writing that the Aftorah should be about the inauguration of the temple. Not a word about the inauguration. All about and he made, he made uh, memes and he made this and he made this and he made this. Not a word about the inauguration. Here comes something amazing, my friend. Amazing. In the, in the when the Hanukkah story, what they didn't have? Why? They never, right? That's what you learned in school. My friend, that's what I learned in school. You know, the problem is we finish to learn when we are 10 years old. That's a problem. 10, the end of the education. Jewish education is by 10. You know what I learned today? They didn't have oil. They didn't have a menorah. <laughs> They never read a menorah. Interesting. You think the you think the, the Greeks in the war, the Greeks left the whole thing attacked, oh here is a beautiful, take it back. The Greeks took everything that was inside. There was no menorah. They came in in the middle of the war, they finally conquered Jerusalem, the war continued, I think, for another twenty years, right? <laughs> they wanted to do something, there was nothing there. No menorahs. What they did? You are the warriors. You come in, you want to light the candles. What do you do? Oil they didn't have. They didn't have a menorah they didn't have. 
what they did was how you what what do you used to fight with? Spear. Sword. Spears. Mm-hmm. What's a spear? It's like a stick with a point on it. Stick with a point on it. They kill people. Today you use it, you know, for what? For barbecue. Barbecue, exactly. It's called spear too? Really? Oh, good. Well, a skewer. Skewer. <laughs> That's a better name. A spear. And if you see, I saw the pictures, how they kill. That's, that's, that, was, that was used for, that was the weapon. They took seven spears. They stick them in the ground. And that was the menorah. And then they looked for oil. And then they put the oil on top of it. Hmm. And God made a miracle that the oil burned for eight days. Aha, uh-huh, you never know this, huh? <laughs> the menorah, forget about the oil. oil. Not, and nothing. Showing, now, what should I tell you? Then what's more important, to have a menorah? Think about it. The miracle of the oil was a miracle that God made. Not we did. What we did, we made a menorah. We made the vessel for God's miracle to take place. I understand? If there is no menorah, there is no oil. If there is no oil, you cannot make For the miracle, you need to create an environment that the miracle can take place. The Rebbe speaks about the two of Torahs. He says, this of, the first of Torah speaks about the oil. This after speaks about vessels. The Rebbe said the vessel is more important than the oil. Without a vessel, you cannot do anything. For example, we cannot make Moshiach come, but we can make the world a better place for Moshiach to come, to make it ready for Moshiach to come. You know, there were, throughout Jewish history, there were people who tried to push the coming of Moshiach with with uh, Kabbalah, with special with words of God, it is. And they ended up not, not in a good way. The Rebbe spoke about Moshiach constantly. The people didn't tell him, don't you, you, don't you know you're not allowed to push the cats, push the, push the coming of Moshiach? The Rebbe said, I'm not pushing Moshiach. I'm making a world that will be ready for Moshiach. If Moshiach wants to come, he cannot come if there is nothing around. The miracle of the oil cannot take place if there is no vessels. If there is no menorah. The Rebbe said the whole story of the vessel here is to make a point. Then our job, the bigger job, is to make the vessel than to, than to light the candle. For example, and then we brings it down to a very practical thing that I believe in it very much. I, say, I mean, I was there when the Rebbe spoke this talk, but at that time I didn't, I didn't really appreciate what the, the depth, the whole, the look of it, the whole thing. I remember, that's why I chose this of Torah, because I remember from that there is a second of Torah. <laughs> but, I did, but I didn't remember anything. The Rebbe said like this. i give you an example. To find a Jew on the street and to introduce him to Chabad is very painful. <laughs> it takes 10 years. 10 years. I met many of you 10 years before you came here. I met you and your wife. <laughs> I met, I, almost everyone here. I met you. Uh-huh. I met you years ago. I met him 25 years ago. It took 10 years until he showed up. <laughs> right? It takes 10 years until somebody wants to talk to you. 
Then, when I bring them around, then everybody can come and say, oh, maybe you kept another class. Maybe give another donation to this. You understand? The harder job is to make the vessel. When you make the vessel, everybody can light the candle. And the Rebbe says it. The Rebbe says the harder, because it's the harder job, that's why it's a more important job, is to take the Jew and make from him a menorah. Then anybody can come and light the candle. That's easy to pour the oil and light the candle. That's the easy part. You take 10 good Jews who want to learn Torah, let's make another class of Shekoya. But it makes the Jew to make him into a vessel for the candle. That's our job. And that's, what, that's why we're going from the easier to the harder. The first of Torah speaks, speaks about the oil. The second of Torah speaks about the vessel, to make the vessel, to, to, to create a vessel that anything could, could take place in. And that's what it's all about. Mm. Now, I always used to tell it to my colleagues and my friends, yeah, you're a big chochem. Come around here and then we'll talk. <laughs> but, uh, <coughs> for example, there is Jews in other countries who are much more traditional, like Canada, like South Africa, like Mexico. It's easy to get. The Jews come to shul and have but when you come to places, they talk to you, what? Chabad who? <laughs> and I came to Solon, I visited a few people. One of the guys told me, the people that my in-laws knew the name, and they told me, Rabbi, you are in the wrong neighborhood. <laughs> you just landed in the wrong place. You know, sometimes you move to a city, you don't go, you get <laughs> Cleveland, no, it's just a place. <laughs> ten years later, he started to come to show. I told you it's ten years. <laughs> One day he comes, 15 years later, he came to apologize. He said, I'm sorry, from. I told him, you're locked that I didn't understand English. <laughs> 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 I knew he's not uh, in favor of my being here, but I really didn't understand exactly what he was saying. <laughs> then this is the second of Torah. The second of Torah is about making vessels. And you see, the moment we have already assured and it's established, strangers are afraid to talk to me. Because I, I have an agenda already. And I was pure and fresh and this and in anything. Oh, why not talk to this young, cute man? Now I'm not young and not cute. And I have a show. <laughs> <laughs> then what, then what's the, what's the, what, what I'm telling you this? Every one of you here has to do it. Uh, people will not talk to me, but they'll talk to you. For example, Hanukkah is coming up. Many times people say, Oh, Hanukkah again, I did it for so many years, it's boring, it's only me and my wife, we sit down looking at each other and light the candles, forget about it. How you make it excited again? How you get excited about Hanukkah? You invite somebody who doesn't do it, and you do it for him, so to speak. And he's the cause of celebration. Then it's going to be exciting. That was the introduction. <laughs> now we learn about the Aftor. The Aftor starts with the name Hiram. Who is Hiram? Uh, from Lebanon, uh, from the city of Tyre. Then we just found somebody, yeah. uh, somebody, uh, a Lebanese to come and to do the, the temple? Yeah. Like yeah. this? He, he, he was the guy up in Lebanon. He, he was the temple builder. Yeah, and but uh, what? The, the, the whole holy temple was built by a Lebanese guy? I think he was half Jewish, according to some sources. Ah, uh, mm -hmm. what means half Jewish? Can you be yeah. a half Jewish? Well, Jewish mother, right? His mother was in the tribe of Naphtali, from the tribe of Dan. 
And according to some opinion, his father wasn't type of Naftali. He was fully Jewish. But for sure his mother was Jewish. That was Chiron. And he came, you're right, he came from Lebanon, from Tzor. The king there sent him to, to help to build the temple. Chiron and Solomon. Which tribe is Chiron from the tribe of Dan? Solomon is from the tribe of Judah. No. No. Who built the temple? Who built the sanctuary? The portable the Mishkan. Who were the two main people in the sanctuary who built the Mishkan? Moses and Moses. Huh? Not Moses. Bezalel? Bezalel and who else? The second name is really a little complicated. And Haliav. Bezalel was in the tribe of Judah. And Haliav was in the tribe of Dan. Then 400 years later, how many years was this after the after the century? 480. Thank you. Oh. See, it comes to good years. <laughs> 480 years later, when it came to the building of the first temple, it was again Solomon from the type of Judah and Hiram from the type of Dan. Why God in the time in the first temple in the in the sanctuary chose one from Judah and one from Dan? Why God did it? And ultimately Bezalel did the main job. Oliah was more why, why we needed somebody from time of Dan? What does they? What does behind it? What do you think? Well, Dan eventually produced Samson, uh, and uh, one of the leading tribes, obviously in the north. Mm. Uh, then was there anything special about Dan? Actually, not. They were considered the lowest of the tribes. Because they were born from maids. There were other guys who were born from the maids, but right. for some reason yeah. they end up to be the lowest. Hmm. Then the Talmud says God wanted to make sure that every Jew feels equally connected to the temple. That it comes to God's temple, there is no rich and poor, smart and less smart, and I am the more important. I sit on the right side and you sit on the left side. Everybody is equally important. That's why he chose Bezalel and he took Aliyah. Together you build the temple. It's very important to make it, you know, in many synagogues there is a, and the, and the, and the, and the beamer, the president sits and faces the crowd, and so other important people face. <laughs> I don't believe in it. Everybody faces God and finished. All the souls come from this. I'm more important than that. I always wondered about the, when you watch the Rebbe sometimes, and behind him, just all these white, long beard guys. Mm -hmm. These are obviously... They were important like rabbis, but that, that was not a prayer, that was a, for bringing. By prayer, the Rebbe stood in, uh, oh. faced the east, and everybody faced the east, nobody faced the crowd. Then that's why it was somebody from the tribe of Judah, and here it's the same thing, Solomon and Hiram. If Solomon did it because of it or not, God made sure that this will take place. So that's the same concept. The rabbi is the, uh, a couple of weeks ago we were learning about the harlots and something like that. And why, why did they have the harlots involved with whatever it was? And it was because that everybody would have a place. Everybody should feel equal. Right, right, we have it in this expression. Two, 
also we had it a few weeks ago too. Yes. The idea is, you know, there is, <coughs> there is even a story that, that God saved the Jewish people through leopards. Remember that story about the leopards who came to save? Say leopards. Hey, you don't decide how God wants to save you. God chooses to bring miracles to lepers too. God decided to do it because God wants to say, to show that in his place, when it comes to God, there is no difference. The most simplest Jew, the most poor Jew, and that's really, you know, today we finish to celebrate the, the 19th of Kislev. The 19th of Kislev is the, it's called the Rosh Hashanah for the Chabad movement, for Chassidus. And it's, the old, why? Because the, the first Chabad Rabbi Abshner Zaman of Leadi was called the Baal Atanya, or the Tanya, he came out from jail. He was released from jail 200 and, how many years ago? 18? No. It was, what, 1798? No. Yeah, 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 something like this. Yeah, 1798. Yeah, something like this. 218. Yeah, something like this. Then, why was he in jail? <laughs> because Jews informed them to the government, to the Tsar. Why did, religious Jews, why they found them? Because he preached this concept that everybody is equally important eyes of God. They couldn't stand it. What was the fight in Joseph and the brothers? The brothers treated the children of the maidservant back to the maidservant like second class citizen. Joseph couldn't handle it. He went to tell it to the father. That's why they hated them. They sold them. It's all the same story. It was with Joseph and the brothers. It was done, done to be the two representatives to build the temple. It was in the first temple. It was, it's today, it's 218 years. It's all the same story. Then we don't read a story that once upon a time. We read the story of today. Okay, now we can start to read a little bit, just for the sake of it. Let's read Vayas Hiram, the first the commentary of Hiram. Who is here about Hiram? 740, continuing the commentary. Hiram then made etc. At first glance, the Haftorah's connection with Hanukkah appears to be superficial. Only a passing reference is made near the end of the reading to the menorahs, which Shlomo made, and most of the Haftorah discusses copper work crafted by Hiram, a topic which appears to have no special connection to Hanukkah. Why do we not read from the following section in the Book of Kings, which speaks of the installation of the vessels and the dedication of the temple, a theme which is directly related to Hanukkah, when the temple was rededicated in the time of the Hashmanayim. Mm -hmm. Being that the increase in matters of holiness do not decrease, Shabbos 21b, the second and final Haftor of Hanukkah, which describes the crafting of the vessels, seems to be teaching us that making the vessels is the greatest achievement of all, even more so than installing or using them. This rather bizarre conclusion points to profound mystical truth. truth. Uh, that preparing the world for divine revelation, making vessels, is an even greater accomplishment than bringing the revelation itself, lighting the menorah. Mm -hmm. Holiness and godliness will only rest in a place which is fitting, so there is nothing especially radical about bringing holiness to a place which is already prepared for it. A truly remarkable feat is to take something which is unreceptive and repellent to the notion of holiness and to transform it into a fitting receptacle. Then where is easier to be a Jew? In shul? Or in workplace. You understand? Yeah, he's a big child, the greatest child you can show, show you a big day, everything, the whole environment calls for it. Going to your workplace and still remembering there is a God, that's an accomplishment. And that's exactly what he's saying here. Now we'll go to the text. Back to page 1492. We're finally going to start with the text. <laughs> go ahead. 
This is not what? in the bottom, in the bottom of the page. Oh, right. Yeah. Jerome yeah. then made the pots, shovels, basins. Jerome <coughs> completed all the work that he had done on behalf of King Solomon for the house of God. On behalf of King Solomon, he finished the, the vessels and the, all the type of vessels that were there. Go ahead. The two columns, the two bowls of the spheres, which were on top of the columns, and the two nets to cover the two bowls of the spheres, which were on top of the columns. Can you <coughs> explain what it is? He had two columns, and it was spheres on top of it. What is spheres altogether? What is spheres? You, you, you know English? Sphere, sphere, sphere is a ball. The ball. Uh -huh. Whatever it was, God knows. <laughs> the 400. The 400 pomegranates for the two nets, two rows of 100 pomegranates for each net, to cover the two bowls of the spheres which were on top of the columns. The pomegranates. Where was pomegranates in the temple? The bells. The bells. Uh, the, the high priest wore. Why? What does the pomegranates represent? 1613 seeds. It's a wake-up call. It's like the bell. Oh, that's right. Okay. So the commandments. The, the, the sixth yeah. commandment. Yeah. The commandment. The commandment. The The you know, the mafia in Las Vegas, Lansky, Mayor, Mayor Lansky, he supported Israel in 1948. They bought weapons, they smuggled weapons, they gave money, they did everything to save Jews. Then we, the Jew is the worst person in the world, you think, is full of mitzvahs. He can't, the nature, his DNA is mitzvahs. He can't help himself. There's a story about a man who needed in Europe, he needed to have Yom Kippur. He heard that there is a family in jail. Why they're in jail? Because they didn't pay rent for months and months and months. And the poets, the sheriff, throw him into jail. The sheriff also knows it's before Yom Kippur. He did it purposely before the holidays. Goodbye. Now we need money. He's going, he fell into a bar. He meets in the bar few guys, Jewish guys, are drinking Erev Yom Kippur. They're not exactly running to the mikveh Erev Yom Kippur, you know? <laughs> he comes in, he says, guys, Erev Yom Kippur, I have to do a mitzvah. There's a family in jail, we need money. Tell them, fine, no problem. For every cup that you drink, a hundred rubles. One. Another one. This guy knew that the easiest money, where is he going to find the money now? He was drinking and drinking his life away. He got the full amount. He runs, he pays off the money, he gets the family from jail, out of jail. He's running home, he's supposed to, he's supposed to eat the meal before him keep her, but he's late. He's taking his talus, he's running to Jules Conidre. He's coming down, he com he's completely drunk. <laughs> He started calling her, he fell asleep, he slept until the end of him kicking. 
He wakes up in the engine with Kippur like by Neila, he wakes up. <laughs> and they all cry, they scream, Shmaisel! Oh, what? <laughs> he started to cry, he fell asleep again. He had a dream that his father come and tells him that this Yom Kippur was your best Yom Kippur ever. The mitzvah that you did was worth it more than everything. What I mean to say is the Rimon, the pomegranate represents the Jew that doesn't look for mitzvahs, but somehow ends up with many mitzvahs. That's why the theme in the temple was a lot about pomegranates, to, re re represents the, to represent this type of a Jew. Go ahead, we are number 43, I think. The 10 bases and the 10 basins set upon the bases. The one vat with the 12 copper oxen under the vat. Both basins, they were, they were places to wash the end, 10 basins. Then it was a big, Solomon created like a big swimming pool inside the temple and the courtyard of the temple, a huge thing. And in this was water. And the currents used to wash the end before they entered the temple. Some people used to say that they used to immerse themselves in that. But for sure they used to wash the end. It was an amazing thing. It was almost like, you know, we go to the Cleveland Clinic, they have this uh, water thing around. By the entrance to the Cleveland Clinic, they have a waterfall, fountain. fountain, the big one full of water. It was something huge. That's what he's describing here. Uh, we are 44, the one wet, right? One what? 45, the, the pots, shovels, and basins. All these utensils which Hiram made on behalf of King Shlomo for the house of God were made of refined copper. The king had them, ca had them cast in earthen molds in the plain of the Jordan between Sukkos and Tsar Tsarsand. To bring them from, from the plain of the Jordan, he had to make them he shaped them in the earth, and then how it's pre-poded, and then carried it all the way to Jerusalem. It was, took thousands of workers to build this temple, and many years. Okay, number 47. Yeah. Shlomo left all the copper utensils unweighed because there were so very many, so the weight of the copper was not investigated. It was, it was too much to even count. <laughs> that was going on. It, it was a huge, beautiful temple. The temple in the desert was a little, a little shulach. It was a portable thing, it was a tent. But the heart of the Jews was there involved. This temple was beautiful, big. Go ahead. Shlomo <laughs> made all the vessels which were for the house of God, the golden altar and the golden table. That he made by himself. Uh -huh. Go ahead. On which the showbread was placed and the supplementary menorahs of precious gold in addition to the menorah made by Moshe, five on its right and five on its left. It's not written here, but also he made ten tables. There was the main table and there were other tables. There was the main menorah and another five menorahs. Not necessarily for lighting candles. That's different opinion if they, if they used to light the candles in the other menorahs or not. It was just for decoration. Because the idea of a menorah represents the Jewish people. And as we spoke about, it's all about making the vessel. Mm -hmm. 
Their flowers, lamps, and tongs were made of gold. Mm -hmm. The hand drums, the various musical instruments, the basins, spoons, and fire pans were of precious gold, and the keys to the doors of the inner house, which is the Holy of Holies, and to the doors of the house, which is the sanctuary, were made of gold. Okay. okay. We have gold. That's it. That's all of Torah. I told you the Torah is short. Yes. It's all about making vessels. If you wouldn't have this whole introduction, we wouldn't even understand what, 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 is, what is happening here. Where were those other 13 pomegranates? Go ahead. Uh, Hanukkah question. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems that there was just enough oil for one day, and there wasn't even a menorah. So I mean, one thing could be just to wait eight days, and just someone could go get a menorah, and somebody <coughs> go get some oil, and we'll all meet together in, in eight days. But there was an urgency, almost forcing the miracle. So, but, but I'm not sure what to make of that. Very good. It was an urgency. More than that, the question is even bigger. You are allowed to light a menorah in the temple with non-pure oil. If you don't have pure oil, you still should fulfill the mitzvah. What is pure oil? That somebody who is not pure didn't touch it. If you don't have pure oil, you light another oil until you make pure oil. That really the miracle was kind of an extra thing. It didn't need to miracle. God did not make a miracle here because he didn't have what to eat. It was a miracle within making the mitzvah in a better way. You understand what I'm saying? The Jews were so eager to fulfill the mitzvah that God helped them. You're right, if they would be like, you say, what's the rush? We waited so long, we waited another eight days. But Judaism has just the opposite attitude. They are not waiting a minute to do a mitzvah. That's number one. Everything else is what's the rush. You better do the mitzvah now. Who knows what's going to be tomorrow? You have to catch up to every mitzvah we can do. And therefore God, when God saw the love of the Jews to fulfilling the mitzvah, he cooperated and made a miracle that the pure oil should work for eight days. In essence, let's say if they would burn out and the next night they would not have pure oil, they would use non-pure oil. Because there is, the obligation is still an obligation. You have to light the menorah. It's better, it's preferred with pure oil. You understand what I'm saying? Then God made a mitzvah for something extra. For helping you to do the mitzvah because you're so eager, because you made a vessel. Because you, were, you did, you, you went your extra mile. You did everything you could to do the mitzvah. Then God comes in and, and is doing the mitzvah. I just read a story about a Jew in Russia, sitting in a shtetl. I know the I know the people, and it was the first day of Sukkot. And in this shtetl, they did not have a Sukkot, a little And it was one big chassid. He was sitting there, the end of morning, and he was crying. He was so upset that he doesn't have a little And I thought he was just crying. The little day, the little Suddenly, walks in a Jew. It's not Chabad, and not so. The guy jumped on them, started to kiss him. It was so bad that they fell both of them on the floor and they were rolling <laughs> from joy. That is when you don't have a mitzvah. See, because they were deprived of the temple. And they finally had the opportunity to get into the temple. You know, the Jews in Russia were asking the life to do mitzvahs. Then they came to America, you didn't see them so hot. When somebody doesn't allow you, 
the desire to do the mitzvah is unbelievable. And sometimes that's the explanation why God makes, creates such government regimes that don't allow just mitzvah. Because the pleasure that God gets from one mitzvah that Jews do with this sacrifice is more, more than a hundred mitzvahs that people just come to shul and do. And I'll finish with one important point. You know, well, what lays in such a mitzvah? The love, right? The fire. You also the fill fil on the love, right? Fill on the love. If you're not Jewish, you didn't see fill on the love. <coughs> fill on the love. And one of the questions uh, Tevi is asking his wife, do you love me, right? Do you love me? That she tells him what? I love you, I cook for you and clean for you and take care of you for how many years did she says there? 50 years of she was? Do I love you? He still ask you, ask her, do you love me? I'll tell you, what does this mean? A woman can clean and cook for her husband because she was raised that that's what she's supposed to do, not necessarily love her husband. She's doing it. Because she, it's, it's a system. She's into an agreement, she's doing a marriage, into she's, she, does she love him? Not necessarily. God is the husband. He's asking us, the Jewish people, the wife, do you love me? We tell him, for 50 years I'm putting on film and saying the blessing of the Lulu and eating matzah and Pesach and do I love you? God is still asking, do you love me? It's not enough to do the mitzvahs. Hasidus brought to the world this concept. It's not enough to be a machine for mitzvahs. It has to have the spirit. The Hasidic movement came without the Rebbe came 218 years ago. Everybody was religious. What was the contribution of Hasidus? It shouldn't be a mechanical thing. It should be life. It should be, it should be invested. When you are invested in the mitzvah, you will make sure you blood the menorah no matter what, even with, with spears. Because that's what it's all about, the, the spirit of the mitzvah, that's what is important.